As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute and I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try I think, uh, you know, for us to win these games we got to be at close to our top level and uh, it's a big challenge for us that's a great challenge for us and uh, we want to rise to it I, I think for a lot of the game um, we were very good Ultimately, uh, the mistakes that, that we made are um, tough to recover from. It's just tough to, to come back uh, when you put yourself in a hole. So, um, you know, we, we definitely showed what it should look like to, to give ourselves a chance to beat that team, and, and we're going to need to bring that um, next time out. It's still, it's still there for us. Obviously, we, we know we probably need two of these three, and... Uh, now we gotta gotta respond again. A lot of it was good. We gotta capture that, but uh, ultimately can't uh, can't give them what we give. Hello and welcome to the latest Laz and Powers. I am Mark Lazarus of the Athletic, joined by Scott Powers, also of the Athletic. And uh, Jeremy Colleton's tone there is fitting for a dour post mortem Tuesday where it's fucking snowing, <laughs> and uh, the Blackhawks were dealt a crippling blow last night in a loss to Nashville. Uh, the Cubs and the Sox are both underperforming. The Bears still have Andy Dalton as their quarterback. The Bulls are going nowhere. Uh, happy Tuesday, Scott. <laughs> uh, yeah, when you put it all like that, it's not really good, is it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. You know, the series is hard. To, like it was, unless they come out with a sweep, and like you probably, no one was probably going to feel good about where the Blackhawks were, right? Like, I mean. Colleton even said that, you know, we need two out of three, but even, even that it's going to make it just, it's with the stars pushing and uh, the, the games remaining, like it, the Blackhawks needed a win yesterday to feel good about themselves. And then the, then to lose the game the way they did. And, and, you know, they're actually, they're in the game. Like they, they didn't play great, but they're in the game and, you know, camp scores that goal, puts someone within one. And then you have this third period where they just, um, some of it's bad luck. I mean, Connor Murphy loses his, his helmet and, and, 
and you asked the you asked somebody yesterday, and he's like, you know, maybe I'm just better off taking a penalty because he I mean he basically yeah. gives them a goal, and then um, 18 seconds later, you know, um, Duncan like you know the Han turns it over, and then Duncan Keith falls, and you know it's another easy goal, and and it's done, you know, like it just um, but but there's it's there still just feels like a, there's a separation, you know, like the the Blackhawks at their best they can hang, um, but they really need to. One, they can't have those type of mistakes, but they just there's so little margin for error, and um, yeah, it's I, I think there's a lot of positives to take from this Blackhawks season, but it's it does seem it's becoming less likely they're going to make the playoffs at this point. I I feel like I've always been like kind of like the the the, the cockeyed optimist here this season, talking about hey, you know they could do this. I mean, you look at the playoff picture here, and there's only three really good teams in the in the Central, and they could be the fourth best team in the Central. But every time they play Nashville. I, I, you know, it just, they just look awful. Like, and they, they played okay for stretches yesterday, but they're still just, they're having trouble getting out of their own end. They can't get through the neutral zone. They can't set up any kind of sustained offense in the offensive zone. They're leaving guys unchecked in front of their own goal. It's funny because for so many years, you know, Nashville was just tormented by the Blackhawks. You know, you had the 2010 playoffs, you had the 2015 playoffs. They were always the little brother. You know, they were chasing the Blackhawks in every way, even down to their PR departments. I remember talking to their PR staffs. They distinctly said, we're trying to have better snacks and better meals during the intermission because everybody talks about how good Chicago's is. Like every single person in that organization, they had signs all around Bridgestone Arena saying one goal during the 2015 playoff uh, series. I mean, everything about Nashville was little brother, little brother, little brother, and they were just tormented by the Blackhawks. And it's amazing how the tide has turned. It was four years ago today that uh, game four in 2017, when the Predators, the eight-seeded Predators, swept out the 50-win Blackhawks that year. And it's been all downhill since. I mean, we've talked a lot about that series as a defining series for the Blackhawks, you know, the Jomerson and Panarin trades that followed and all that stuff. Uh, but ever since then, the Hawks are just atrocious against the Predators. They played 22 times counting that series and they've scored more than two goals twice, yeah. twice. They, the, the tormented has become the tormentor. And yeah, I have, I have very little reason for optimism heading into these next two games because Nashville just owns the Blackhawks. I was looking at uh, what you're talking. I was trying to look up Dom's projected standings. I probably are you trying to tell me you weren't listening to me? Scott? I was listening what you're saying? to you, but I was able to do two things. <laughs> it, was, it was a great little monologue you had there. Um, it's uh, Blackhawks have a seven percent chance now, and and as much as Nashville's in that in that position right now, they have a thirty eight percent chance, and Dallas has a. Fifty-five percent chance because Dallas plays only Detroit down the stretch. Every <laughs> they have, I think they have ten games left, and they're all against Detroit. Um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously the, the numbers are uh, numbers are dwindling here. Um, yeah. The other thing I wanted to get into is, and, and we even talked about this in Slack last night, was about the defense and who they should be playing at this point. You know, like um, one, it's it's still clear they don't have what it's. Like, it, it, like, there's definitely the forwards and a lot of that stuff comes into play. But when I look at the defense and I look at, at who's driving the puck and the breakouts and driving the offense, and I was, you know, before I got on this, I started looking at some some numbers about, you know, primary assists and <clears throat> on the power play and in five on five and who, you know, around, around the league, there's defensemen driving offense, you know, like there's guys creating for others. And, um, you know, when Kalnick had that pass to Kane a couple of games ago, I was like, wow, they look like Gustafson. And we just, we just haven't seen a lot of the, um, a lot of defensemen driving the play, you know, like it's Boquist, Mitchell. These guys are supposed to be offensive defensemen, and, and we've seen a bit of from Boquist, but, um, I mean, he only has a handful of primary assists. Like, he's nowhere, like, I think he was, 
Um, I think total assists per 60 in the power play, he's he's like 37th. Gustafson's ahead of him. You know, Keith doesn't. Um, Keith's had some offense lately, but he's not never been like a... I mean, Keith used to be that guy. He was the engine that drove those great teams. He was always the one pushing the play. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I don't know. I just It doesn't feel like... The, and then there's the defensive gaffes, right? Like there's, you know, Zadorov not uh, following his check yesterday. And, um, you know, we see enough of that where it just, it, there's still holes in that defense. So I, I don't know where they go. And, and the thing that we talked about yesterday a little bit is, well, you know, they're sitting Bodan, they're sitting Mitchell right now. Um, you know, Kalnick's on the younger side, Steelman's on the younger side, M- Mitchell, uh, you got Bodan and, um, you know, you have a young group, but who should be playing right now? Like, where's the priority still supposed to be youth? Are they, you know, like, I felt like, and, and you, maybe you're right, you know, and I, I sort of disagree with you at the point, but, um, you know, when DeHaan got healthy, like, there was a difficult decision to be made, and, and they decided to put DeHaan over Mitchell. Like, was that, is that aligned with what the goal of the season was supposed to be? Well, that's, 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 that's where I'm at now. I mean, especially, at, like, it, last night they were playing for the now. They were, they, you know, that was Jeremy Colleton fielding a lineup that he thought gave him the best chance to win that night. And frankly, that's not what this season's supposed to be about. I, you, you, I, I, I've been all about that playoff push and, and trying to make the playoffs and not, you know, not just giving up on the season, but you had to do that within the parameters that you set for this season, which is a development season. You know, Stan Bowman used the term rebuild. Jeremy Colleton has used the term development year. If that's really what this is. You had one truly like true rookie out there yesterday, Wyatt Kalanick. You could have had Mitchell out there. You could have had Bowden. And you're right. You know, we were again, we were talking about this. Mitchell has looked overwhelmed at times against the Predators. The Predators pressure, he has not done well against that. But how is he going to get better if he's not playing against them and not playing in these big games? This is the developmental year. You don't want to still be making these guys, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, still have these guys learning how to play in the NHL next year and the year after that. This is the year to get that all out of the way. If this is truly the developmental year, Mitchell should have been out there. You know, I don't know about Bodan, but you know, Zadorov can sit. Dahan, you know, he was he's coming back from an injury. There's no reason to rush him back. There's, there's a lot of ways you could have still tried to win, but still be playing for the bigger picture. But now that, now that they lost, now that, you know, in my mind, the playoffs are basically out of reach. I don't see how they can come back at this point. 7% sounds about right. Put the kids out there. Why is Ian Mitchell not playing? Why is Nicholas Bodin not playing? I don't care if you have to sit, you know, veterans. Give Duncan Keith a night off. He's not going to like it, but too bad. This is supposed to be about development. Get your guys out there. They've done a good job in the forwards and in the goaltending. They have not done the great job on the defense these last month or so because they've been worrying about the playoffs. There's two parts of this for me. One, I don't know if those guys are ready. Like I, I've, I've Bodin. There, there's been games where he can certainly drive offense, but he's been overwhelmed. Uh, you know, with the pressure and then in the defensive zone, and then Mitchell, he had a stretch there, but it's it's not like he's excelled yet. Like I, I like there was such a push for the youth this year that I don't know how much they're accelerating these guys beyond their actual. Like there are a lot of people who believe that the Blackhawks are doing this wrong, like they're doing this development wrong and that these guys all should be in Rockford. And, and then certainly this season makes it harder because they're not playing as many games, but that they, that they're not helping these kids by putting them in the NHL too soon and, and, you know, exposing them. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Um, on the other hand is like the Blackhawks, I think are also trying to figure out who they have defensively for the future. And, and this is the obstacles that they have contracts that interfere with these, like who's next, right? Like it's, 
they have to figure out Zadorov. Now they added Stillman. Like, is Stillman Zadorov's replacement, or is Zillman, Stillman also part of the mix? You have the Hans contract and Keiths and Murphys, and and you have all these young guys, and all of a sudden, I don't think they, I mean, I think they thought Kelnick had a chance, but all of a sudden he's jumped Mitchell and, and Bodin and, yeah. and the line. So at some point they need to figure out what they have and who the, who are they going forward with. And it's, it's fine to have competition, but you can only have so many veterans and have that to be realistic because contracts are going to get in the way. And um, I feel like Colleton did go with the group that he thought was best to win yesterday. Um, I just, I don't know how many pieces are like, what, what are those all? Is that what your defense looks like in the, in the coming years? I mean, Boquist is out, but um, the veterans, I think are especially where the decisions have to be made. Like the door going to be such a key one. Because um, you, you've brought in a similar player now in Stillman, who do you like more? Because otherwise, you're going to run into the same problem. I and mean, what, what if you if you sign all these guys, especially the veterans, then where's you know when Velasic and uh, even you know I think White Kaiser and, and Velasic might be better than some of these other young defensemen, and those guys are coming in within the next few years. So yeah, I, I think there are some difficult decisions ahead, and they they really need to kind of figure out what what the path is. Well, that's kind of what we've been talking about for a while now is this kind of half-hearted rebuild, this kind of half-ass rebuild where, yeah, they're getting, they're, they're accumulating all these assets, all these young players uh, to create competition, but they've got all these veterans in the way. Uh, and, and it's just, and it, it's, it's, it's most stark on, on the blue line right now, because like you said, these guys, they're not only here, but they have term. And I still think, you know, agree with it or not, I think the expectation is Zadorov will be here next year. I don't think that Stan's just going to let him walk for nothing at this point, uh, but I don't think he's a fit. And I don't think he's worth $4 million more million than Stillman is, yeah. if, that, if you're looking for your physical guy. And they have all these difficult decisions to make, but you, it's great that you're accumulating assets. If you have seven, eight, nine good young defensemen, you hope two or three of them become great young defensemen. That's, that's the goal here. That's, they're doing that with forwards. They're doing that with defensemen. They're just grabbing as many as they can, and that's what they did at the deadline. They got draft picks. They got prospects. They got NHL players. They just want as many people as possible, hoping that the cream will rise to the top, and then they'll have a good team. But you can't do that if you've got a million guys in the way. And so, again, it comes back to this half-hearted rebuild where they didn't really tear it down. They couldn't really tear it down. And, you know, there's still just – there's guys in the way because of the last two summers where Stan Bowman went out and went veteran shopping. This is where they are. And it's difficult to take that next step when you can't you – know, they can't step back. They can't step forward. They just wind up running in place. Which makes the Mata decision even odder that they decided to get Mata too. I mean, they're paying part of Mata's contract this year. You know, like he was supposed to be in this mix too, and and he's the one. Well, he was a relatively young guy. I mean, he was twenty five. I know, and he's the one that actually had good metrics last year. Like yeah. they just, you know, like the fact that they, yeah, I don't know. It's all. It, it hasn't been a smooth. And, and again, this this isn't like this process. isn't me slagging on 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 Calvin DeHaan or anything like that. I like Calvin DeHaan as a player. He's one of the Blackhawks more reliable. He's got some bad luck this year, but one of the more reliable players. It's just. Does he fit the time frame here? If you're looking to contend in two or three years, is Calvin DeHaan signed for another year? Does he make sense right now? What is the goal here? What is the purpose? We keep talking about development and rebuilding, but again, it's hard to do when you've got Duncan Keith, Nikita Zadorov, Calvin DeHaan, Connor Murphy. They're all kind of in the way. You got to pick one or two. You can't have four of them in there every night. They they thought Mitchell would be more ready at this point. You know, like he was he was yeah. fine th- throughout the season. Like, and I was even looking at he, he hit the wall. He hit the wall. Yeah, hit but hard. even that, like, he's not driving. I, I think they thought he'd drive more offense. You know, he doesn't have many assists. He doesn't. Um, you know, the metrics have. I. I I think they thought him going back to school, like they wanted him to come out. And, and this is the, even with secure, I saw this where 
I'm sure those guys, those kids are happy going back to school and, you know, like they're, you know, Sakura won the bean pot and, you know, Mitchell was captain, but it really hampers the development in some ways too, you know, like it's just, um, not that college hockey is bad, but it's just, it's, it's training and playing like Mitchell would have been in the NHL last year, you know, like he would have got a chance and, uh, I, I think it just slows things up and then you put, you add all the pandemic situation and, you know, ideally he'd be in Rockford playing consistent games and developmentally now he's, you know, he's like on a taxi squad and, and that's fine. You're, but you're, you're not getting the same practices. You're not developing the same. And I think it's, um, yeah, it, it's, you know, it's made things a lot more difficult than how they've handle the development and, and with such a push you know i mean starting with boquist it was you know boquist got called up too soon it, and it's i mean it's working out and, and you know i mean boquist is now with concussion we'll see how how that how that goes but from a development standpoint like it was you know like he improved but it was um is there a too soon you know like is there like are, are they making these are they hoping these guys are NHL ready before they are and um yeah, it's and then yeah, it's it's just, it's it's a large, large puzzle to put together, and they, I don't think they've come close to figuring it out just yet. Well, and and Bokvist last year, like you said, he came up too early, and he wasn't driving the offense the way they expected him to, and it took him until midway through this season to do it. So I mean, Mitchell's certainly an older guy; he's he's, he's three or four years older than than Bokvist, but you know, he's going through that process now. I think you know. Very few defensemen come in like Quinn Hughes or Kale yeah. McCarr or even Mira Heiskin took a little bit of time to, to just come in and just be great right away. It's it's way harder to be great right away as a defenseman than it is as a forward, especially to drive offense because you're so concerned about the defensive side of things because that's where you you know your your mistakes are the most glaring that you you you're 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 timid offensively and I think we've seen that with Mitchell a little bit where he's too concerned about his own end, which he, I, you know again he should be so it's you can't really fault a guy for that but I think it's just it's really you have to be an extremely special player to just step right in and control play as a rookie defenseman. And we don't see a lot of it. And I think, you know, we're seeing the growing pains with Mitchell and with, uh, just like we saw with Boquist before that. Yeah. And now, and now with Kalanick out too, like it just, he was the one who was like, yeah, he was, he the, was doing it. Yeah. yeah. Like he was, you know, moving the puck and doing the things they wanted for the most part. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this, you know, like I'm sure I, I would imagine they go with a similar lineup to Roman Carlton still playing the win, but this, you know, the narrative definitely changes quickly if they lose again lose lose again tomorrow and then you know like it just it's those odds will certainly shrink even more yeah i, I mean if they, if they even if they go like you said if they if they win tomorrow and then they win friday everyone's going to feel great and we're going to get another week of narrative about playoff pushes and stuff like that but i just it, it's the hawk schedule is harder uh dallas is probably the best of these teams i think nashville's going to look back and really wish they had sold matinas ekholm at the deadline i think they made a mistake thinking that they were a playoff team because uc saros got ridiculously hot and you know his 960 save percentage whatever it is that's not going to last forever i think dallas you know a team that was in the stanley cup final last year uh is kind of they're 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 gaining ground as we thought they would as they get their games in hand they've you know we talked a lot about vancouver's difficult schedule coming out of covid you know dallas had to do this too um, I, I think that's the best team of the bunch here. Uh, they have the easiest schedule and the best team. They're going to be that fourth seed. The Blackhawks are going to be a relatively distant sixth and Nashville's going to sit there going, shit, we should have traded some guys at the deadline. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, and then eventually, I mean, I, I still expect whoever to be that fourth spot probably to lose in the first. first oh, they're going to get waxed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, they'll win a game or two and they'll feel good about themselves and that's better than not making the playoffs. I, I still firmly believe that, that it would be better for these Blackhawks to make the playoffs, lose in five or six games to Tampa or Carolina, whatever it is, and, and then go into the off season. We saw that last year. There was 
tangible progress made in the Edmonton bubble last year. But um, but in the end, yeah, I mean, that's what you're looking at. Who do you think uh, – I wonder if they'll sit Goddard again, but if, if Hagel's back in the mix, where – I, I've been trying to think about where who who does he replace? Yeah, I tweeted that last night. I was I'm like, who come? I, I, I went when when <laughs> you muted me years ago. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, if if Hagel were if Hagel were healthy yesterday or were you know allowed to play at a uh, what Carlton called a false positive, um, would Goddard even have been in the lineup last night? I mean, that's the question. Where did they just did they rush him in because oh crap, you know uh, we don't have Hagel all of a sudden. Uh, I don't know. I don't. You know, the, the logical thing would be to scratch someone like a Ryan Carpenter, uh, or you know, or even a David Camp. I mean, you don't want to scratch one of your young, your hottest you know, goal scorer, David forwards. Camp. Your hot, red hot goal scorer, David Camp. Uh, you don't want to necessarily sit. You know, uh, you're not going to sitting Kurashev doesn't help you. Yeah. You know, sitting one of those guys, you're not going to sit Kane or to bring it. You know, Gaudet can play center. He can play wings just like Ryan Carpenter can. So uh, Ryan Carpenter, he's one of the more reliable Blackhawks. He does a good job every night. He works hard. He kills penalties. But he's also expendable. He's just a guy when it comes down to it. He's a fourth-line guy. And if that's what Gaudet is going to be. It was interesting when they, you know, the the, the, the line rushes last night. Gaudet was on the top line with Dabrinkit and Doc. And he wound up playing like seven and a half minutes. And was very quickly dropped to the fourth line. So they had to figure out, you know. I was getting tweets from Vancouver people. Oh, they're finally giving Gaudet the top six opportunity he deserves. This is what they never did in Vancouver. This is going to be great for Gaudet. And then he played seven minutes on the fourth line. So I don't know what the Blackhawks really see in Gaudet. We haven't even had a chance to talk to Gaudet. I think they're kind of protecting him because of the whole patient zero thing in Vancouver. Uh, everyone else who's come in, we've pretty much talked to them like the next day. But Gaudet has been uh, uh, kept from us still. Uh, I don't. I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know what the Blackhawks see Gaudet as. Do they see him as a checking line forward? Do they see him as a center? Do they see him as a wing? Do they see him as a potential top six guy? We just don't really know. So uh, it'll be interesting. Does he come out? Is he because he's the easiest guy to scratch right now, right? Because he's just a guy that just came here. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what they do because Hagel's certainly higher in the pecking order than Gaudet is. And it's where because Carpenter. I mean, Carpenter is probably a logical one, but you look at the analytics and even the play last. He's night, good. He, he, like he's <laughs> their best penalty killer by far, and that's been an area yeah. of really, you know, like when you when you think of where they miss Taves, I mean, that's that's one of the biggest areas yeah. is that he just. I mean, the penalty kill was top ten last year, and it's now you know it's a little been bottom better, five, yeah, better lately, but still. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, do we have, uh, emails and calls and... Oh my god, I'm throwing up on myself. Uh, just like the Blackhawks threw up all over themselves after tonight's game. Obviously, in the next four games, they have to go three and one. Man, and where's Kane been? I, I know he's been putting assists up, but, he you know, he hasn't been putting the puck in the back of the net. 
All the MVP talk started the season when they were on fire, and now that they've leveled out, I think a little bit, a little bit of that is because his goal scoring production has gone down. Uh, and then you, you gotta play back. I think what Lav said uh, about the uh, about the dreaded Nashville. God, man, I hate them too. <laughs> you could have said it better about what you did say and play that back. I get also tired of watching this, and you'll see this, and it's so cheesy, is that Nashville will ice the puck when their guys are tired, and then if they win the faceoff, they double ice it. Like, oh, that's so lame, but I guess that's Predator hockey. <laughs> Vomiting all over. <laughs> I hope he wasn't driving when he was saying that. He's probably steering all over the road as he's doing that. <laughs> um like like Kane, you know, uh, Kane had he had a stretch where it was just very unkane. Like he was still producing basically at a point a game, but he had like a I think it was twenty or twenty one games where he had two or three goals. It was three goals, one five on five goal. His five on five shooting percentage was like two point eight six percent. I mean, we're not used to seeing that from Patrick Kane, but it's obviously not going to be the long-term case with him. He's He's been carrying this team all year. He's probably very tired from carrying this team all year, but he's still the only guy producing on a regular basis. It's hard to find too much fault with Kane's game. Yeah, and it's been interesting, too, just how Carlton switched up these lines, you know? Like, it was very... Debrinkin and Kane together were for so long, and then it was... And that didn't work, and he's been mixing it up. And part of it's... Doc hasn't... Doc hasn't looked like we thought he'd look, you know. I mean, it's yeah. It, it just it's uh, and and I'm sure he's kind of dealing with, you know, still the wrist and trying to get back, you know, get back in the flow. But it just I I thought at this point he would yeah I don't know I think there'd be more just rhythm to his game and it doesn't feel like he's comfortable just yet. Yeah, I I think the thing with Kane. He's always punished for being great. I mean, I wrote about this earlier this year where, yeah, I mean, he should be playing with your best players, right? You should load up and give him the best options. But Colleton, just like Quenville before him, always says, well, Kane can score no matter who he's with. So I'll put him with lesser players. So he's playing with, you know, a Philip Kurashev, who's a nice player, but he's not he's not worthy of being Patrick Kane's center right now. And this is what always happens is Kane pays the price for his team's lack of depth. where they He has manufactured depth for the Blackhawks. They just put him wherever they want, and all of a sudden you have a scoring line. And it, it, it's, it, it's, 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 he understands it. He's accepted it long ago. He's not always happy about it, but he, he, this is why he's had 17 or 18 centers uh, uh, in his Blackhawks career, because he can play with anybody. But that's what happens. When, when, when he starts getting snake bit, it becomes more apparent because they're so dependent on him. So I, I don't know what the answer there is. He's still third in the league in scoring. It's hard to bitch too much about the way he's playing. But, you know, that goal he had the other night against um, uh, in Detroit, maybe that gets him going. Uh, that's what they need, obviously. If, if they have any chance of, of, of making a miracle run here, it's going to be on the shoulders of Patrick Kane. Yeah. Uh, we have one more, please, man. So this question is regarding um, – basically, I guess, the overall direction of the franchise. You know, this year was obviously about development. They put out that open letter saying they're going to develop young players, and I don't think anyone can, you know, make a case against Bowman and Colton not sticking to that philosophy this season. My question is regarding next season, though. Bowman has said he's expecting Taste to be back. Doc is already playing, so he'll be theoretically in for opening night. Nylander just hit the ice today, I think. With all of those players being back in the mix, especially Taze, does the mantra shift from development just to trying to win again, or are they going to try and maybe 
keep a middle ground. You know, I mean, I know there's kind of an urgency to win now with Duncan Keith being 38 for next year and Taze and Kane being, I think, both 32. But yeah, I just kind of want to get your take on that. And that's the million dollar question, right? Well, for for one, that I, I don't think Bowman said he expects Taves to be back, right? Like it just there's he's, he's he's hopeful, but yeah, I don't know if there's any. There's certainly nothing concrete. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I, it's probably. I mean, a lot of it weighs on Taves. You know, like if Taves is back, like this roster looks different. You know, without him, um, there's question marks, and and ultimately you're missing. Uh, I was thinking about the other day, like how much cap space i mean a quarter of their cap space is more than a quarter is is being used on on players that are injured you know like they're just uh, how realistic is it to to win if you if you're paying you know a defenseman seven million basically on seabrick to be sitting or tases out and shaw and certainly zach smith this year but um yeah i don't i don't know the reality of winning at a high level if you're devoting that much cap space to to injuries you know so i mean if Taves comes back and and, he, and he's anywhere near the player then yeah i think i think expectations have to change i mean at some point these kids aren't just rookies anymore i mean it's uh they'd still be young but you know like kane and Taves, when you know obviously elite players but they're players who, who begin taking those big steps as you know second third year pros and um are, are expected to do more and, and i i think you still want like I, I think Reichel can come in and play, and, and not that you don't want rookies not in the lineup next season, but at some point, you know, guys do become expectations do change, and you do play a couple seasons in the NHL, and um, I think the narrative around this team does change next season, but a lot of it does, you know, whether Dave is back, I'm sure that's a, a big deciding point, but I, I think it has to change. I mean, it's you can't be in this rebuild mode for you know for for too long. I think they're. I think they're still a year away. I think next year is going to be like the transition year. I don't think you know if, if it all comes together and, and the guys take the leap and Taves comes back and there's and they're competitive. That's great. I think you get like one more year of leash here. I think that 2022-23 season. It's really hard to say years when it's everything has the word twenty in it. By the way, the 22-23 season is going to be the most fascinating one because that's the last year of Kane's contract, of Keith's contract, of uh, Taves's contract, even DeBrinket's contract. Yeah. So like. That's the end of the era. That's potentially the end of an era. Like there's, there is a real possibility that, you know, Stan Bowman clears the decks NBA style after that year. I mean, it's hard to imagine they don't resign these guys, but to bring it is certainly be resigned, but you know, the, the, the big ticket guys, I mean, that, that could be the end for Duncan Keith. We don't know what the plan is long-term, but that's the year where theoretically this should come together. If you're doing a rebuild and you're starting it, you know, middle of last season, that's when it's got to come to fruition. If it hasn't come to fruition by then, then you have failed. Next year, you get a little bit of leeway. You're still working you need to see new progress, guys. You know, like you need right. to see better than what you've seen. Oh yeah, I mean, if if they're exactly the same team next year, and and then then you have a problem. But if there's marginal progress next year, and they're not really quite a playoff team, but they're kind of in the mix, and you know, you can see you can you can see the future. Then then there's something to be said there. But by by the year after next year, that's when it has to all come together. Otherwise, you have wasted. So many years of the prime of Kane and Taves and Keith. Well, Keith's not really in his prime anymore, but you know what I mean. Uh, the, the window, that window is shutting. And if it's not, and, and if you're not able to do something significant within the next year or two, then you have failed. And it, it might be time for some fresh eyes, you know, a, a, a fresh team even. That's when all bets are off is that 2022-2023 season. Uh, that's the one I'm most interested in right now. I was thinking the other day. This is the only time that it'll probably happen where the Blackhawks get by with playing, def- uh, paying their goalies this this little. You know, like at some yeah. point, you know, like Lincoln is going to want a second deal, and it's going to look a lot different in, in two years. Like you don't usually pay 
you know, less than $2 million to get your two goalies. Like it's, and maybe, maybe, maybe that's part of the equation that helps them right now with all the guys on, on LTIR, but like that's, yeah, this is usually not the, the winning, winning formula is they have two guys on, you know, multiple guys on, well, on cheap if you, deals. If you could do it, it's yeah, great. Yeah, but yeah, it, yeah some, for sure. Yeah. It just, it, at some not, point, not a long term solution. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's, uh, we've got some emails. Leo here says, what do the Blackhawks need to do to not get swept by Nashville? The bar is very high there. Every game feels suffocating and seems like nothing works for the Hawks. I mean, the, the Blackhawks are a transition team. They succeed by, you know, flipping the ice in a hurry and Nashville just doesn't let you do it. They're all over you, uh, in that neutral zone. They can't get any offense going. The Blackhawks are not built to dump and chase. And the only way to beat the Predators is to dump and chase and win battles in the corners. Nashville's just better at that. I don't know if there is something the Blackhawks can feasibly do to just not be frustrated by this team. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, you got to execute quicker and faster, and that's and not – I mean, some of it, it's a defenseman, you know? Like, it's just – it's not uh, – Zidorov, when he gets on his stick, he's not, you know? Like, some of it's you have to move yourself, some of it you have to move the puck. And, and someone like Kalnick, you know, the, it helps in this sort of situation, but – yeah, I, and that's where this group is just um, – and, and then the last night was interesting too because you had guys playing their offside. A lot of – I mean, you had – everyone except for Murphy was a left-handed defenseman. So that – you saw that with the DeHaan turnover last last night was just, you know, putting the puck off on his uh, – you know, backhanding it into a bad spot. And, yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, – I think there's a lot of different things. But, yeah, I think – I mean, teams beat Nashville. It's not like Nashville is invincible, you know, like – Teams, teams are good. They they execute quicker and they get past them. And it's just the Blackhawks struggle to do that. Um, oh, we had a question from Ben who just said, "Fucking Nashville." Am I right? That's <laughs> uh, fucking Nashville, man. It, it, it's so funny because again, for so many years, the it was the complete opposite of this. Where Nashville just like, ah, oh, we can't beat the Blackhawks. Fucking Blackhawks. Am I right? And it's just amazing how the shoe is on the other foot now. And the you know the the circle of hockey life, I suppose. We had one other question about Aaron Simon, who who hit. It was a lot of different questions in there, but he basically wanted to know about Bodan and why Bodan hasn't been playing. And um, yeah, it's been interesting because I think a lot of fans are you know they got behind Bodan because he produced, but the analytics weren't great. Like it was you know like he drove some offense, but. He was getting, uh, yeah, the mostly spending most of the time in the defensive zone, and the chances for were, were not, you know, against weren't great. And then, and then the, the last few games he was in there, like he was just getting overwhelmed, turning the puck over, and the pressure was really getting to him. So, um, you know, I, I think they 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 sent him back to Rockford, and he's getting a lot of ice time. I mean, this is a guy who last year was often a third pairing guy in Rockford. So, um, you know, to play him twenty plus minutes and to give him that that sort of top role like that, that'd probably have been ideal for Mitchell too. I mean, Mitchell got accelerated because they thought he was ready, but um, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And I don't even know if Mitchell's a little, I mean, over Bodan by a whole lot right now. It's just Mitchell was up and he got a few games, but um, I think both those guys need time and they're still hopeful about, about Bodan, but they, it was basically, you know, he took a step forward this year, but let's, you know, maybe take a step back and get you some more ice time and get some more experience. And and then there's also a question about Stillman. And I, I think they're just intrigued by Stillman. He's a guy who played, um, I mean, he's playing 18, 19 minutes for Florida last year, played in the playoffs. Um, he, he's 23. He has a lot of similarities to Zadorov. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if playing Zadorov and Stillman works. Like, I, I don't know if that's, you know, like it was interesting. They put them both together last night at times even. Like, I, I just... I'm not sure that pairing is going to create what they want, but um, 
Yeah, it puts a little pressure on Zadorov. I think they're worried about what Zadorov wants in his second contract. You know, like if you can have him come down and, um, you know, on that price or because I, yeah, it's such a big piece of this offseason puzzle is what if you bring back Zadorov, what's the price and and overpaying him? I just yeah, I think it's going to come back to bite them. If you have any questions, comments, concerns for the show, you can email us at lazandpowers at gmail.com, or you can call and leave a voicemail at 714-759-4529. That's 714-759-4529. We'll be back next week. Uh, Make sure you go read Scott's uh, excellent oral history on Alex Dabrinkit's draft day and how uh, 200 hockey men made stupid decisions and let him get drafted by the Blackhawks who didn't even have a first-round pick. Um, And we'll be back uh, probably next Monday. I don't know what things will look like, but coming up after this Nashville series, you have Tampa, Florida, Florida, at Carolina, at Carolina, at Carolina, Dallas, Dallas. That's how this season ends. Um, And I'm guessing that's really how the season ends. It's hard to imagine the Blackhawks coming through this uh, closing gauntlet uh, in fourth place. But hey, it's hockey. You never know. Sounds good. Till next time, I'm Mark Lazarus. That's Scott Powers. We'll see you next week. I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try